Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, after a brief hiatus, we are back. And when I say we, I mean me and that other guy. Welcome to The Jarek Show, featuring your hosts, Javad Malik and Eric Krohn. Timely topics, poorly presented. I bring the timely topics. He presents them poorly. How are you doing, Eric? Yeah, hiatus. Is that what it is? We're on a high, not a hiatus, but a hiatus. I see what you, I, I see. Okay. Yeah, it's, uh, we've been gone for a little while, man. What, what's up with that? I mean, I've been on the road uh, kind of crazy uh, since the beginning of August. And uh, I guess, you know, we, we all just see you can't do the show without me. <laughs> did you prepare that one did you write it down that's very witty no that's you. off the top of my head man it's uh yeah, yeah it's you know. just like your hair yeah well you know and my my brain is working better since i have all this cooling now up here <laughs> does it does it allow the 5g to communicate more seamlessly with the chip that you had installed <laughs> absolutely man absolutely all right so right into the oh wow right into yeah. the stories all right i know you're into home automation and you have a bunch of these uh cheap and cheerful chinese um iot devices around your house not necessarily this particular brand but you know i can see the the thing is so fortress is a diy wi-fi home security system or something like that if i'm not correct if i'm not mistaken and um surprise surprise that's <laughs> there a shocker, are, there yeah, it's a shocker that there's a problem yeah yeah imagine that man a diy wireless home system is going to have issues that's it's a shocker man yeah you know yeah you mentioned that i'm into this you know this kind of stuff but it, i mean so i do my own little things like uh you know i got this little bad boy here i got esp8266 i do that kind of stuff but i don't do like wireless stuff like this okay like I just have an issue with um, home alarm systems, especially DIY being wireless, because if you think about it, anything that runs on Wi-Fi, especially how easy is that to, to mess up, right? It doesn't take a whole lot to run a D-auth attack against all the sensors if they're Wi-Fi. I mean, I don't even want to get into that, but you know, there's some technologies that are decent. However, I think that when people, um, if you want to put something at home and you wanted to use it to trigger things, say for a smart home or something like that, cool, right? But as a security device, I just have challenges with this sort of thing. I'd rather see the old school hardwired, you know, Vista 20P or something, as opposed to this this fancy stuff here that's that does all this. What do you think, Javad? Yeah, I think you're right. There's just something a bit wrong about all of this, but... You know, the thing is that it's different from someone making an informed choice to buy something cheap that might not work very well all the time versus something cheap that might not work and allows criminals a foothold into your network and to see what you're up to and do all sorts of other stuff. Um, Rapid7 uh, researchers found it and they said that, so one of them, <laughs> uh, CV2021 39276, Oh. concerns an unauthenticated API access, which enables an attacker in possession of a victim's email address to query the API to leak the device's IMEI number, which also doubles up as the serial number. What could possibly go 
wrong. And uh, then with the uh, IMEI number and email address, the adversary can proceed to make a number of unauthorized changes, such as disabling the alarm system via an unauthenticated post request. It just a, a threat. <laughs> unauthenticated post request. When is that ever a good thing when you're talking about security systems? Or, or I mean, just in general. Anything. Why is it ever a good thing, right? Yeah. Um, again, you know, so... In my opinion, you're better off spending a little bit more and getting higher quality door locks. Um, something along those lines, you know, something that can't be bump keyed sort of deal, as opposed to investing in something like this, which really doesn't offer much or any in the way of security. That's my personal opinion. I mean, I'm sure for some people they feel better and if it helps you sleep at night, awesome. But ultimately, these systems have a long ways to go and you know, they mentioned in here using it for home or business. If you have a business, please, please don't, you yeah. know, just, just pick up the phone, call one of the places, have them, have them put some stuff in. That's a little bit better, or at least, you know, I, I don't know what all the sensors are talking about here. They're talking about like the main system here, but a lot of these do, they communicate via Wi-Fi instead of something like at least Zigbee or one of those other protocols. It's going to be maybe a little bit harder to mess with than Wi-Fi. You know, I mean, Wi-Fi is just, I don't know. It's too simplistic. Sorry. Little rant there. It is. It is. And one of the disappointing things. So, you know, we know stuff gets coded and stuff gets made and shipped out quickly. And OK, it's going to have vulnerabilities. Sometimes things get overlooked. But um, Rapid7 said that it informed the company of the bugs and the company just basically ignored them and they closed the report. So, and that's um, a big issue that we've had on multiple occasions, not just with this company, but with other places that end up getting breached and stuff like that. A security researcher reaches out to him. I mean, someone like Rapid7, come on, take it seriously, right? But they reach out to him and they say, hey, here's an issue. And they just ignore it or it goes into a black hole. And then they finally, you know, wisely release this sort of thing. And it's like everyone's up in arms. Um, but you know, if you have an organization, you do any of this sort of stuff. If you write code in any way, shape or form within your organization, you need to have a process in which you can deal with security researchers reaching out to you and going, I found a problem. Right. And and acknowledge them and work with them. Don't uh, don't wait till now they make it public like this. Uh, just ah. I think I'm yeah. grumpy, man. I need coffee. I haven't had coffee today. That's you are grumpy. I think, I think, ah. like you said, good financial advice is uh, take that money and invest it into better locks. Or if you live in that place called Texas, then just buy more guns. I think that that is uh, <laughs> that is the answer to everything. That's a reference from uh, Thor Ragnarok, by the way, mm. uh, and not me calling Texans anything anyway speaking mm -hmm. of poor english skills <laughs> <laughs> yeah one of the biggest red flags when you receive a phishing email a bc email something like that is the grammar is appalling and the spelling is bad they can't they don't even go through the trouble of checking whether the company name that they're impersonating is spelt correctly so they will say hi my name is mr timothy cock from apple and <laughs> you have won a new iphone just simply send your bank details to me here and so that's one of the biggest giveaways and scam artists are 
thinking, well, how can we improve what we do? Because clearly Google Translate is failing them or whatever the Chinese equivalent of Google Translate is. Yeah. And um, so they are now actively out recruiting native English speakers for business email campaigns. This is turning into a nice little industry, isn't it, Eric? You know, this isn't new. Um, I, I do th I think it's kind of cool that they're bringing light to this. But for a long time now, there's actually been services out on the dark web forums and stuff where you can send your emails that you're going to send out and they'll correct the the grammar and the spelling for a, a fee and give it back to you, right? Because we, we all know the Nigerian print stuff and those ones, I mean, it is, it's a huge red flag. I tell people, if you're in the U.S. and you deal with people only in the U.S. and you get an email that says something in the end of it, like the, the signature line contains the word kindly, like kindly get back to me or kindly make sure we know that's a scam, right? Cause we don't use that word. All no. right. Um, it's a red flag, but um, the, these services have been around. So it's no surprise that they're trying to do that. And this is indicative of the fact that they're really improving their game. You know, I say it all the time. It's not a bunch of kids in their mom's basement, drinking Mountain Dew, eating pizza. These are serious groups that are doing serious stuff. They're doing AB email campaigns like marketing groups do they're doing all of that kind of stuff and you know hey did i see two hundred fifty thousand dollars down there that's hey I, I do see uh one advert spotted asked for a service able to launder up oh that's a laundering okay um i was gonna say you know i'm out of here pal yeah <laughs> i know what i'm doing uh no but i mean if, if you think about it though this is uh this is making them harder to spot it's going to make people who rely on that broken English or, you know, poor spelling uh, as a flag to to be more believing in it. So we need to teach people, too, about this and let people know that you can't just rely on those. No, you can't. But also, um, this is going back several years, like maybe 10 years or so. And I was reading some research that uh, this is when predominantly the Nigerian's print scam was um, prevalent and prevalent. And they said that many of them intentionally leave spelling and grammatical errors in there because they they feel that that's a good test to see who's gullible. So if someone responds to that saying, yes, please do tell me more about how I can get 10% of this $50 million that you're trying to get out of the country, uh, then they know that, that this puts someone who's quite gullible, they may be not educated, maybe they're not a native English speaker themselves, maybe all those kinds of things. So uh, they, they'll probably make it better, but not too good. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. I don't know if you receive the same calls that I do here too, but in uh, the phone calls are also getting a little bit better, right? Um, I've heard, you know, a lot of these ones that call me and tell me my warranty is about to expire or has expired, right? You get those. Um, some of those are very clearly a uh, a voice, you know, a, a text to voice sort of deal, right? But but some of them are getting a whole lot better. And I just got one the other day that was interesting. It was um, it was a call to me, and it was from uh, I, I want to say it was uh, Border Patrol and Customs or DEA or something like that, saying we have received a package that contains drugs in your name. <laughs> Please call <laughs> us now. To I'm like. Yeah, but people fall for that, you know, like they're going to leave me a message saying, hey, we got a package of a whole bunch of drugs and I'm not like out the side door. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we don't think about that logically, but as they get better in those um, in those, 
I guess, uh, voice to text or, or even having somebody read these things out for real, it's going to be more believable than when you get something that absolutely sounds like something out of, you know, the old war games movie, shall we play a game, you know? That's right. And do you remember, you just reminded me about two, three years ago, Google had an event like their, their annual event where they launch new products and stuff. And one of them was the AI feature where you could say to it, and they done a demo on stage where they said, "Make book me a, a an appointment at my hairdresser's. And the yeah. AI made the phone call and it sounded just like a human. It even had those little imperfections within the speech. Like, mm, let me check that. And then said, okay, how about three o'clock? And, and I've not seen anything after that. No, the NSA was like, shh. Yes. That is no longer a viable product. Yeah. <laughs> Please send it to Utah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, That's... you're you're right. And there's going to be more and more of this kind of stuff. I mean, as we're dealing with deep fakes, both in the audio and video realm, um, we're seeing that stuff happening more and more as far as the quality getting higher and products out there to do stuff like this. Um, there's even that, uh, what's that web uh, or that podcast editing software that someone we know that uses where if basically if you mess up a couple words in your podcast and you say something like Javad is a jerk, um, it'll come back in and you can actually change the text because it does all that, that conversion. And you say Javad is a great guy and it makes it sound like your voice. What's yep. the name of that one? Descript. Descript. Yes, yes. Yes. I mean, the stuff's out there and, and it's happening. So, um, yeah, that's uh, going to make these more believable. That's right. So speaking of, of language, and we, we seem to be on a language roll at the moment, um, you know, Twitter has finally um, listened to me and my complaints about you giving me abuse online. See, I, I saw this story and I thought the other way around. I thought you were doomed, pal. <laughs> then I read the part. This is kind of interesting. So if somebody is being a meanie head to you online and hurting your feelings, um, this feature will basically have Twitter go through in this safety mode and start blocking these accounts. Now, where it doesn't work with you as much as you abuse me is apparently if this is somebody you interact with a lot or follow, it will not block them. So keep that in mind. This is for your random, um, angry, ranting, yelling into the wind type of stuff um, that you get out there on occasion in Twitter land. And you kind of go, who are you and why are you yelling at me? Yep. Yep. Interesting I, idea. It is an interesting idea. And I, I think this is a case of. You know, so social media platforms are always, I, I kind of feel a bit sympathetic because they have an uh, enviable task of allowing free speech, but then at the same time also having to be the police when things go wrong or when there's too much things go one way or the other uh, and what have you. Um, the, the, it's interesting, it's only available to English language users, so uh, just uh, swear in a different language if you want to re <laughs> really be, be mean to people or, or send them memes that are insulting, uh, which of which uh, there are plenty. But who's but, deciding what is insulting? Exactly. Right? If I say you're the son of a motherless goat, right? Who knows if if that doesn't mean something good? I mean, a motherless goat could be a very rare and wonderful thing, right? Um, so who is going to make these decisions on what's insulting 
And this is where you get into these problems on like Facebook where, you know, they're blocking this and tagging that is this and that. I mean, you see a lot of people just up in arms about, you know, a fact checker, this fact checker, that, you know, and, and I just see people all up in arms on that. And you're right. It's not a task I would want dealing with social media where you're having to do that. And the idea of free speech, this is where <laughs> God, why are you getting me on soapbox today? Free speech is something that, at least here in the U.S., is often misquoted and misunderstood, in my opinion. Um, free speech means the government isn't going to come down on you and beat you up, right? But yep. when you're talking on a private platform, which, although these are the largest platforms out there, when you're speaking on a private platform, you have to abide by their rules. And, and you really shouldn't have, I suppose, um, the expectation of free speech unless it's specifically saying we're giving you free speech. I mean, ultimately I've run forums before I ran a forum um, in Arizona when I, when I was into rock crawling and stuff. And there are things that people said on that, that I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not okay with that. Just like this doesn't meet the family friendliness of this group. Whack that's gone. And, and you know, it upsets people, but ultimately when you're on a private uh, platform, I, I don't know that, uh, you know, free speech is something that's uh, um, constitutionally afforded us in America and whatever you guys have over there that your House of Lords and, and whatever uh, puts together. But, you know, you, you know, I, I have the answer to this. What twi Twitter, the, the, Twitter should have come to me. I know exactly. <laughs> if it's an account that has been created recently, it features a prominent flag of any nation as as the image and the username is a few letters followed by a string of numbers then just block it automatically because those are the bot accounts that you know that are there thing thing is bots are a lot easier i think to identify from their patterns and whatever you start with that start with the real problem yeah. and then work your way down to because this is just going to get you know people caught up for for no reason or or, or whatever but no, it, it's I, I interesting agree. Yeah, it's interesting. I think it's something that will uh, keep on going and uh, fun to watch. Fun. Yay. It's like fireworks, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when the when the mountain behind the fireworks catches on fire and starts to burn down. Yeah, <laughs> That's what we're looking at here. It's fun to watch fireworks. It's even more fun to watch it all go wrong. No, no, no. I tell you what, this is uh, this is worse than that. It's the gender reveal party where they set off those explosions and that started the forest fire. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we are cynical today, man. What is up with this? We take a couple weeks off. Wow. And all of a sudden we come back curmudgeons. What's up with all that? <laughs> We've aged immensely over this. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, Bang. yeah. I remember why you wanted this story on there. Why? Because it uh, involves Lockbit. Absolutely. And the Lockbit <laughs> gang has leaked Bangkok Airways data. Uh, and then there's something about it being tied down to Accenture as well. But um, uh, <laughs> I love these ads that pop up in between, like why UK residents are taking CBD. It's genius. It's genius. Uh, I know. It, it just looks, <sighs> it's just, it's like, like someone eating a horrible gummy bear or something. Anyway, Bangkok Airways uh, is a victim of a cyber attack. Um, and that they were going to breach uh, unless the ransom was paid. And uh, their lockbit 
if you remember, they breached Accenture, the um, you know, uh, um, not too long ago. Yeah. And uh, then they leaked more than 20, 200 gigs of data belonging to the company um, and, and what have you. They're, they're, they're all there. Uh, the company discovered the attack on August 23rd, took steps to contain the incident. Well, if they've released 200 gigs, uh, how much containment was there really done? Uh, the dam's broken. Don't worry, I'll get a bucket. We can save some water in there. <laughs> and and it's crazy. And, and what I love about this uh, um, is the attack did not impact Bangkok Airways operational or aeronautical security systems. But hackers may have accessed personal data belonging to passengers. And so you think, oh, that's not so bad then. What information did they get? Well, full name, nationality, gender, phone number, email, physical address, passport info, historical travel data, partial credit card info, and special meal details. So they've not violated PCI DSS. Great, let's move on. Yeah, well, you know, they didn't get the name of your first dog or your first car, so they can't reset all your passwords. So you have that going for you, right? I mean, yeah, yeah no. Um, I, there's so much information in here that they can use against you. And uh, here we go again. Hundreds of gigs of data moved out of a network and nobody noticed. They really Bangkoked that one up, didn't they? You've been thinking of it. You've been trying to work that in. I know you have because, because yeah. Off the top no. of my head, you know, just naturally. But go on. Over, over, over the times we've been seeing this going on since data has been extracted on a large scale, we see these huge numbers. We see 400 gigs, 450 gigs, a terabyte of data getting plucked out of these places and nobody is any the wiser. I mean, it's like DLP doesn't exist. It's like we we don't check to see what's leaving our networks and where it's going, how it's getting out of there. Why? Why does this keep happening with hundreds of gigs to terabytes of data getting moved out of networks and nobody notices? You have no answer for this. This is great. You're you're very helpful, folks. If you're on, if you're listening to the podcast right now, all Javad is doing is giving me a funny look and shrugging. Okay, um, I, we're I'm kind of at a loss. Supporting your point, I'm supporting your point. I thought that was a rhetorical question. Rhetorical <laughs> questions don't actually need answers. Um, so, like you said, DLP is out there. Uh, monitoring technologies are out there. Uh, everything. You know, if nothing else, go to um, thinks.com, find a honey token, spread those about the place. Yep. They will notify you. So ignore every other alert you get. Just respond to those alerts because that's people touching data that they shouldn't. And, um, you know, that, that should kick your ass into gear a lot sooner than having the, the, the bad guys say, hey, or the bad girls say, hey, look, we've got your data and I pay us the monies or we <laughs> release the data. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You set up these these honey tokens or or accounts and, you know, all of these little honey devices out there, not just honey pots anymore, folks, but data that's in there. And if that data gets accessed, 
there's a problem because nobody should be accessing this kind of data. And it's a bigger problem if that stuff is going outside your network perimeter, wherever that may be. It doesn't matter where it is. If that data is being accessed or moved, that is the canary in the coal mine. I mean, that that really is the thing that should be setting off all kinds of alarms and popping to the top of the list at your knock or sock, right? Um, this is the stuff that that there is technology out there to deal with this. And we need to start getting it into place. We really, really do. I, I'll just share an anecdote, quick story. I used to work at a company where one of the salespeople left and they took uh, a whole bunch of customer data from Salesforce. Mm -hmm. What the company had done, though, and this wasn't IT. This was one of the sale, head of sales or something. He'd created several fictitious customer records within Salesforce. Ah, and they all came to email addresses he contained, he he owned. So a few weeks after the employee left, he gets pinged by that said employee from his new employer, saying, "Hey, uh, we you know we we met at a conference or something. Would you be interested in buying our software?" And that's how they knew that he that was the first sign they had. So again, technology failed. They yeah. should have been able to monitor and stop him, but. This is how powerful like these honey tokens are. It's uh, it's amazing. I love that. I, I've dealt with it in a couple of places that I've worked where, again, usually salespeople, because salespeople are evil. Sorry if you're a salesperson, but you mostly are. Um, I'll, you're the exception. Whoever it is that's listening, to that you're the exception. But the other ones are all evil, right? And so it's not uncommon for them to try to grab those lists as they head out the door right? Sometimes they feel like, well, I prospected them in the first place, therefore it's my data. You know, they'll justify it to themselves. But time and time again, I've seen people try to do this, if not be successful with it. And it's one of those things that uh, unfortunately a lot of organizations don't think about uh, until it's too late, until it's really bit them in the rear. That's right. That's right. How many times have you been bitten in the rear? No comment. Good. So with that, uh, we shall wrap up for the show. Thank you for joining us. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe. Find us on your favorite uh, podcast app under The Jerick Show and on YouTube. So until then, stay secure, my friends.